Jesus said these words. He said, I have come to bring life and I've come to bring it abundantly. I've come to bring life and not just any life, but a life that is of abundance. Are we just in life or are we in abundant life? Have we just received Christ as our Savior so we are in life? We have entered into the kingdom. We've been born again. So we receive life. But are we also then taking that life and coming into an abundance of the life that's found in him? Because they are two positions. So you can have received him. But really life is a struggle. Life I'm talking about in the spirit. We're always going to have trials and tribulations in the physical. And those trials and tribulations are there to actually help us find abundant life. Did you realize that? The trials and the tribulations are there to help you find abundant life in the spirit in Christ. They're an opportunity to grow, but they're also an opportunity to run away. And right in the middle of that is a decision. Our decision determines our destiny. Our decisions determine whether we'll actually enter into and experience the life of abundance or just life. Man, life in Christ over this is a pretty cool thing though. Don't get me wrong, to receive Christ for the first time and invite him in as a savior and to have that encounter experience, that's phenomenal. That starts a process. It starts a process. It may be an event, but it starts a process of coming into an abundance of life because we can't live or sorry, we can't, yeah, we can't live from a place that we haven't experienced. We actually can't live from a place, a place that we haven't come into. So you, just like you can't give anything away to someone else and have. Man, life of abundance in Christ. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not talking about, I'm not having mansions on hills. Ferraris in the driveway, or Porsches, or Lamborghinis, or Austin Martins, whatever your pickers mean. Season ticket to Anfield. <laughs> That'd be good. But... My wife would like a silver Porsche. That's because one. That's because one cut her off on the way here. <sighs> the language wasn't too nice, so we're working on that. Okay, that's why. <sighs> Out of my mouth. To have life of abundance is to be living from a place of an abiding presence in us. Should I say that again? To have life of abundance in Christ is to live from a posture and a position of the abiding presence of God living in you and through you. You see, the body of Christ has a fascination with the manifest presence of God. That's where you're always chasing God round from one place to another looking for Him. And I'm not saying those moves of God we had, they're awesome. I mean, you know, the Welsh revival, amazing, where the manifest presence of God comes and turns up and rocks up and boom. People are getting radically saved. People are getting healed. People's lives are changing. It's phenomenal. But then the presence of God goes and what? Are we now living from the abiding presence in us? Or are we just continuing to keep searching for the manifest presence, which is external of me? 
So God comes on a Sunday. I love it when he turns up. He rocks on in. Bang, things happen. He goes, but sometimes nothing shifts. And so he comes and goes, and I'm still the same person. I'm not in any more measure of an abundant life because I'm no more in the abiding presence of God. And this is what revealed truth brings the church into, an abiding presence. Where that presence is with you, in you, 24-7, never leaves you. You're living from it. It determines decisions. There's power in to accomplish the works He calls us to do. So life and life of abundance. I'll get it right one day, man, I'll tell you. So here's a question, okay? What was the key point I mentioned from my message last week in relation to being a true worshiper? What was the key point? No looking at notes. We're a community that wants to equip you. We're a community as one that want to be growing, hearing meditating, chewing on growth, revelation. So, did you look at your notes? You like rugby? There you go. Pray for the team. We're not playing that well at the moment, Adele, so pray for them. And <laughs> Come on, the Hurricanes. <laughs> the Chiefs, throw that man out. Who is that? <laughs> no, we are a gracious community here. We just don't accept Manchester United fans. <laughs> that is extending the grace just too far. My capacity runs out when that happens. I'm asking him for more. But we are second, which is good. Okay, let's get into this. I shared this thought last week. Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. To truly appreciate what we have now and where we are going we have to appreciate where we have come from. How many people have traveled overseas? How many people have been to third world countries? Seen the poverty? You've seen what it looks like? How many people appreciate New Zealand way more? <laughs> Why do you appreciate New Zealand more? Because you know where you're from. You have a look, you see something. I mean, when I was in India, I couldn't believe my eyes when I was in India. The, the, the riches, but the poverty. You know, to have, I don't know, eight people surround the car who have deformities, uh, no limbs, begging. You don't, you don't find that in Courtney Place. You don't find that. Anywhere in your zone. To truly appreciate where you're going, you need to know where you've come from. I mentioned last week, it's fully possible to have been walking with Christ for years and never have received revealed truth or a true knowledge in certain areas of truth which considerably affect our relationship with Christ. And our willingness and ability to lay one's life down. So we may have been walking with Christ for a number of years. And in our relationship with Christ, actually haven't yet received a revealed truth or revealed truths of things that he would want to bring us into, which would radically change our relationship with him now. 
And it's not that if you haven't, it's a complete waste of time because God doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste any time or one's life. He uses it all for a moment where he then starts to show you and reveal things for the benefit of you. Because wouldn't you want to know something that if you thought you were in it or missed something out and it was really going to influence you and your relationship with Christ and your ability to lay one's life down and live for him, wouldn't you want to know that? I would. I would really want to know that. If I'd started something and maybe got on or started not quite on the right page or the right the right stepping block because there was something he wanted to bring me in that was radically going to alter me and enable me to live this life as Scripture says, one who lays one's life down. You will know. You will know my disciples by the way they love one another. My disciples lay their lives down for one another. My disciples are radical. Radical people set apart unto me. You will know them. They are like aliens, pilgrims who live on a planet, but are so set apart from the planet that they stand out in a really, really honoring good way. Not a weird, wacky way that the world looks at and goes, fruit loops, in a way that's influencing society. To truly become a true worshiper. Revelation of where we've come from, what we've been saved from. Today it's going to be about knowing our nature without Christ. Who we are. A revelation, a revelation of who we are without Him. See, when this thing hits you, do you know what it's supposed to do? It's not supposed to create heaviness or a burden. It brings life and light because it brings life to the gospel. It brings life to why Jesus, how much he loves us. So I want to make a disclaimer right now. If what I say today brings a heaviness and a burden on you, I don't mean a conviction, I mean a condemnation. It is not of him. I will say this, it's probably maybe because that your mind hasn't been renewed yet to this reality. On the renewing of the mind, everything happens via the Holy Spirit. So see it as an opportunity to have your mind renewed and come into life. Because there is no offense in the Spirit. None. And the truth will set you free. But the truth can be a pleasant aroma or a stench to non-Christians and you and I. It ain't just about them, it's about you and I. Because it's about coming into revealed truth. It's only revealed truth that sets the church free. Information does us nothing. Knowing scriptures, if it's not revealed, does absolutely nothing. Who can give witness to that? How many of us have had a cholesterol test? <laughs> it's not a shame to have a cholesterol test. I've had a couple of them. My one last time, last year, was a bit high. But man, I've got to start doing something about this. And so, as you know, I mean, I mean, I'd started this fitness thing before that anyway, but, you know, it was just a bit, well, okay, it's, it's not in the high, but it's, it's sort of medium getting up there, so I need to do something about it. And so we're going through that process, and I must admit I've been a little bit bad. I've, I've changed my, you know, my lifestyle. I got a letter the other, well, the other day, it was last year, and said I need to have another blood test, and I haven't yet done that. But it started getting me thinking about, what if Jesus did a cholesterol test of you and I from a spiritual perspective? What would our hearts look like if we all went to Jesus the doctor and he started doing a cholesterol test? How much fat would be in there? How much stuff that just gets clogged up 
would be in there that stops the blood flowing through, stops the life of the Spirit coming through and being and enabling us to see like Him and hear like Him and speak like Him and act like Him. So it got me thinking and I was like, man, what would it, what would it look like if He did that in my own heart? And then what would it look like if He did it in His churches? And he does. <laughs> the reality is the spiritual health of the church is in direct correlation to the revealed truth or the true knowledge we carry in us. Once again, my hope is that the Holy Spirit will lead us into a revealed posture of what we are hearing last week and today. That there is an absolute correlation between the life, abundant life that we come into and the revelation of revealed truth that we actually hold. Because we are to be known for certain things, aren't we? The church is to be known. He's looking for us to be known for certain things. So with this in mind, we're going to have a look at my second key um, truth today. So come with me to Matthew 7. Matthew 7 verses 7. We'll probably all know this really well. But there's something in here I wonder if we've ever seen. Matthew 7 verses 7. We're going to read down to 11. Okay, it says this, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. What man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? Now the first question I want to ask you, is there anything in that passage that just stood out? Beyond asking, seeking, and knocking. You who are evil, who is He talking to? Me, <laughs> the church, someone just said, I'm not evil, I'm a good guy, aren't I? Please, help me, help me out here. <laughs> you who are evil, you see, pretty much, I don't know about you, when I've read this, it's just always been about asking, seeking and knocking. I'm into the asking, seeking, and knocking because I'm after God. And that's good, and it's right. But this whole bit about, well, who's he calling evil? You who are evil, who know how to give good gifts, how much more will I give? And when I, when God, I mean, I've sort of know, I've known what I'm sharing today since 15 years ago, but it's probably been in the last year that I saw this, it was just like, Boom! It's like our lost reality. It's like the church's lost reality. It's like, who are you talking about? This isn't talking about me. And yet Scripture, and we're going to look at Scripture, very clearly defines our nature. It's what separates us from God. And see, we need to know that that nature still exists in us today. But you now have, if you've invited Christ in to be your Lord and Savior, His nature. And that's what we're going to look at as we go forward because there is a war. And so you can understand things through this nature. I wonder why you can't understand the Spirit. Because you're still in flesh. Renewing of the mind. The mind needs to be renewed through the Spirit of God. You see passages where Jesus says to his disciples when they try and burn down a village, what spirit is this? 
Because it's not me. I come to save, not to kill. And so do we have a revealed, a revealed posture of who you and I are without Him, before Him? This original posture. I was born an original sinner. I was born from original sin. And if I had a dollar bill for all the things I'd done, there'd be a mountain of money piled up to my chin. See, I remember the words from last week. Who is he talking to? I'm not evil. Adolf Hitler, probably evil. Charles Manson, evil. Ted Bundy, evil. Anyone that can act like that and kill like that, they're the evil people. But not me. I'm a good person. Hmm, really? I pay my taxes. I give to charities. For crying out loud, I'm a Christian. I give to the poor. I do volunteer work. I coach the kids' soccer team. I'm a teacher aide. I travel around and I look after the homeless. I'm not perfect, but you know what? I'm not evil. I'm a good person. Now I hear what I'm saying and I hear what people say to me, but that's not what Jesus says. You see, what God do you follow? The God of our own image or the God of the Bible? Our own version of Him? That's a very comfortable God to follow. That's why the world's doing it and some of the church are. I'll create a God in my own image and I'll follow that God because that God tells me everything I want to know. He never argues with me and He never tells me I'm wrong. He says things like this. Oh yeah, if it's good for you, just do it as long as you don't hurt anybody. If it feels good, do it. It's such a, it's such a cop out, isn't it? I know myself, that thinking, if it doesn't hurt anyone, do it. How many people have actually hurt people from following that mindset? Such a load of rubbish and we lap it up because why? So Jesus says this, Luke 18, 18 to 19. Luke 18, 18 to 19. A ruler questioned him saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Everyone say, no one is good. Who's that? That's no one. Not even me. I don't even consider myself good. I'm not even going to put myself in the category of my Father to demonstrate to you all something that no one is good. Let's blow that myth out the water. How many people are struggling right now? You know, because why? Because I think I have some inherent value in me. I think I have rights. I'm entitled to things. I love what I heard during the week on Radio Sport. They're talking about the generations, and this is generation me. Not X, Y, generation me. Me, me, me. I'm entitled. Why? Because I'm inherently good. There is value in me. Can't you see it? Not done answer. Right here is mankind's greatest problem and greatest stumbling block. And the number one reason why those who haven't yet made him savior of their lives reject him. Right here is mankind's greatest problem and greatest stumbling block. And the number one reason why those who haven't yet made Christ Savior of their lives reject Him, meaning non-Christians, and those who have made Him Savior struggle to make Him Lord and follow Him wholeheartedly. 
Ooh, Greg, I like that bit about the world. I'm not so sure of the bit about me, though. What did I say? Life and life of abundance. Abundant life is found in lordship, not in Satan. The lordship of Christ. Why? Because I've had a revealed posture of where I've come from, what I've been saved from, and the very nature that lives in me that makes that even a reality. I rescued you from the domain of darkness. Did you know that darkness is in us? We are born with a nature of darkness. You and I are born with a nature that wants to be God. Even when you're saved, you still want to be God. You want to, we want to, I want to still create God in my little image. My God wouldn't do that. My God doesn't do this. My God doesn't do that. My God's not jealous. He's not this. Really? So who's defining God? Because there were 13 men that walked on this planet. One being Jesus. He was the only one who knew the truth. And all the other 12 had their version of truth. And he was trying to lead them into the truth. They had an image of truth, not the truth. Now they may have portions of revealed truth because Peter needs a revelation to even know who the guy is. So who did he think he was before he had a revelation of who he was? And scripture is there to show us the nature of man that wants to manifest itself over the nature of the spirit. And the man or the woman of the flesh cannot even understand or comprehend the things of the spirit. And so as we get revealed, when the Holy Spirit peels back that you are nothing but filthy rags. Ooh! But I'm good. No, you're not. You're filthy rags. It's referring to a woman's menstrual cloth. What happens is, this is the greatest truth message you can have. Because to see yourself in full light, the darkness that's there, realizes how much you need the light. It makes you realize how much I need Christ and how much I need saving. Not just once, continuously. Having my mind repent, repent, repent. Come into my reality, out of the darkness, into the light. And what happens is when truth comes and it starts to knock on your door, it's time to reveal something in your heart. If he did a cholesterol test today and had a look, what would he see? So he comes to open up like the surgeon and to remove, but you have to allow him to remove the stuff in us. We have to submit and surrender because none of us can change us. But can you see yourself for who you are without him? How many of us this week have been asking for a revelation of where we're from and what we've been saved from? How many of us have heard what I asked us to do and are found doing it? Or how many are just like, yeah, great message. You know what, Lachelle spoke was a phenomenal testimony. She got up here and basically empowered the word that was spoken. But you know what, yeah, that's for her. See, God was working last week through myself, through her, through Stephen, through the music. But if we take the just the word, three people on a journey hearing and declaring the same thing. I didn't manufacture that. I didn't give her a call and say, hey, I'm doing this word. What are you, what's happening in your life at the moment? Oh, yeah, can you say that? Because that would really make me sound good. No, the Spirit's moving. The Spirit's working, saying the same thing. Basically, she gave testimony to the word. The humility that came out of her to say that. I'm basically, God, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And God says, because of that, that, and that, and that. And the humility to be able to acknowledge it. 
You see, what someone who's prideful goes, that's not true. Not true. That's not me. No, 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 no. Why? Because of fear. Because of fear of the unknown. You see, we say we're good. But Jesus says we're not. I don't know. I didn't write the book. I haven't done all the miracles in the book. Not everything has come through me. So I'm going what the book says. And the book says, none of us are good. Why would he want to show this to us? Why would he want to say this to us? Not to hurt us, is it? To reveal something about us. You see, when Adam and Eve partook, mankind, boom, separated forever. That's not my fault, God. I didn't was born. I didn't choose to, to take the fruit. No, I know. It sucks, doesn't it? That someone else's choice determined your outcome. That sucks. Well, get over it because it's the reality. You can continue that posture and whinge and moan, but you know what? Nothing's changing. Gravity will always be gravity. You can stand on top of a cliff and say, you know what? I wish it wasn't, but it always will. Ah, this will always be. And he shows it to us to understand him and who we're not without him. A true worshiper has a revealed posture of their original nature, listen, which creates and forms biblical humility in us. This is my main point today. A true worshiper has, is coming into a revealed posture of their original nature because it creates and forms biblical humility in the church. What I said before, you see, if you realize who you are without him, there's no way you ever do this. It's, it's them. It's them. There's the issue. Self-righteousness gets obliterated to such a measure that day God reveals who you really are without Him. Because as I said last week, you might as well judge yourself because you're just judging. You know what? The lifestyle choices may be different. The heart's the same. The nature's the same. No, no, but, but, but sexual sin is so much more worse than the white lie. Isn't it? Oh, alcoholism. <sighs> Compared to, I don't know, stealing just a pen from work, borrowing something I shouldn't. So much worse. You see, we think good and bad is about external behavior. Princess Di, what a good woman. Nelson Mandela, phenomenal man, a good man. Jesus, what's Jesus known for? Being a good man who did good things. You're good because of your external works. And you're bad if you're a robber or a thief or a murderer. No, that has nothing to do with the nature that lives in mankind. Nothing. And this is what I love about the Father. It's just a plain field. Everyone's in the same boat. And you're all as bad as one another. But do you have a revealed reality of that? Because one will lead you to be like the woman in Luke 7 who's worshipping and pouring out her tears and her money that she saved a year for and pouring 
perfume all over his feet and weeping and crying and kissing his smelly feet. That's where a revealed posture takes you. An unrevealed posture takes you the other side. Simon, looking at that very act, not only judging the woman, but judging Christ. Can we see why it is so important that we come into a revealed posture of who we are? At worst, you might not be one, but you'll just be in apathy. <clears throat> you'll be in neutral. The good news? It's the okay news. <laughs> if it's that. Oh, sorry. You're spending your eternity in hell. Away from the one you were created for. Oh, yeah, it's, so what? They tell me it's just a place with parties and stuff anyway. The good news becomes, I don't know, great's not even the word. The most phenomenal truth that has gripped your heart and mind and it all becomes all-consuming and all-conquering and Paul said this, he said, I'm obsessed in a good way. And I am prepared to go where my own life will be taken with this message of hope that I found in Jesus Christ. See why? Because the man says this, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Does that sound like the same Paul that was killing the church? No. It sounds like the new creation, the new Paul, because God reveals to him who he was without him and his whole life starts to change and come in alignment to the revelation he's received. And now that arrogant, stiff-necked, stubborn Pharisee says this, I am the greatest sinner of all mankind. The good news was the most amazing news to this man. Why? Because of a revealed posture. And it's for you and I. The same revelation is for you and I. So let's go after it in the Spirit with Him and one another and allow the truth to be the truth to set you and I free. Let's stop fighting the truth. Let's stop rejecting the truth. Let's stop going, no, that's just for them, not for me. No, it's for all. Let's come into abundant life because we don't, we're not found like in the movie. You can't handle the truth. The church says we can handle the truth because we're in a posture of humility. So bring the truth on. Why? Because it's going to bring me and you into abundant life in Christ. Do you know you didn't choose God? See, we're so arrogant, we think we chose God. None of us chose God. Unless He draws us, we're playing games in self. I don't want Him in my old nature. I'm selfish. I'm looking after me and me alone. I loved you first before you ever can love me back. I draw all men unto myself. And if the Father does not draw all men, there's a problem. Don't ever think you chose Christ. Don't ever think God was lost. Oh, I found God. No, He found you. <laughs> I mean, I've said that. He was never ever lost. He's just been waiting and drawing those that he wants to draw unto himself. And so you realize, my goodness, 
How much does he love me? Because I'm evil. Every thought from my youth is evil and not his. And I'll continue to be evil if I'm not rescued out of myself. Because this nature still lives in me and it will set itself up as king of my heart if I allow it. So God is constantly coming, trying to bring revelation, truth to you and I to set us free. Man, he is phenomenal that he even bothers. Have you ever thought about that? That he even bothers with you and I. I hope you're hearing life right now and not death. That you're hearing life of how phenomenal he is and how phenomenal his love is. Listen to Genesis 8:21. For the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. Genesis 6:5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Jeremiah seventeen nine to 10 The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? The Lord searched the eye, the Lord searched the heart and test the mind. To have our human self-centered nature revealed to us is incredibly good news. Because it reveals to us who we are without him and enables us to comprehend the enormity of his love for us. Even Jesus wouldn't consider himself good. Yet when you ask most people what Jesus is known for, he's known for being a good person. Why do we think we're good? Because we are born with this evil nature and in it, and in it, and it is, sorry, from the domain of darkness. And it will do anything it can to justify itself away, to maintain and preserve its own life and existence. So I read that again. Why do we think we're good? Because we are born with this evil nature that the Bible speaks of. And it is from the domain of darkness. There's only two kingdoms, isn't there? Light, darkness. If you're not born again, you're from the domain of darkness. Every faith system, religious system, is from the kingdom of darkness. Christianity, kingdom of light. Massive war going on for that right now. Massive war that the church would wake up and understand who she really is and her purpose. Not just to exist on this planet and have family and kids and blah, 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 to be the people of God, to wake up to a spiritual reality that's happening right now, to become what we're called to become as a body first. So because we're born with this evil nature and it is from the domain of darkness, it will do anything it can to justify itself away and maintain and preserve its own life. Adam, in the garden, walking with God, communion with God, perfect oneness with God, has not partaken yet. Partakes. In the garden, God comes, now is found hiding. Why? Why is one minute he is with God in perfect union with God. And next minute, he's now hiding. Because the domain of darkness is now in him, the seed that's in him, and he's responding from it. And yet it's God that comes and wants to set him free. But Adam's hiding under a bush. Why? Because when truth comes and it shines on darkness, we want to run. That's not me. That's not me. That's not who I am, really. No, I'm good. It's not my insecurity manifesting all over everybody. It's not my jealous spirit. It's not my controlling spirit that's trying to dictate and manipulate everybody into little boxes. It's those other people. 
No, it's you. It's you, Adam. And I love you so much. I'm coming to show it to you. And I'm coming to reveal it to you, but you can't see it. And so we kill what we can't see. We kill what we don't understand. Why? Because we're scared and we're in fear. Why? Because we have a domain of darkness, seeds still living and operating. We try and burn people down when it comes to save people. See, we're all in this together. Anyone that thinks they're not, you're deceived. You need to wake up and get in the game. He loves you so much. He comes and he wants to show you who you are with him and actually lead you from who you are without him. We're all broken to some measure being restored. Yes, we've been set free. We have the spirit, but we're about becoming something as well. There's always two parts to every picture in his kingdom. And yet all we think is one part. There's two Otherwise, Paul, you might as well throw out half of Paul's letters. Work out your salvation. What's that about? Go from being someone of the flesh to someone of the spirit. Become my bride. Become her. I woo her. I'm looking for her. Become the church that reigns. Become the church that loves, that's known for love. Not judgmentalism. Love. Why? Because you know the one of love. He's revealed to you where you're from, what you're saved from, and who you are without Him. That brings you to your knees. It smashes you into a million pieces. You can no longer have pride, arrogance, think you're all that. Because that very work of the truth sets you free into humility. You don't try and find humility, you are it. You don't try and do an act of humility, it just comes out of you 24-7. You're the very thing. Why? Because you realize where you've come from, what you're saved from, who he is. And the natural, innate expression is love. It's beautiful. Absolute beautiful. Yet we try and manufacture it. We try and manipulate it. We try and do everything to get the experience. Why? Because we want the outcome, but we don't want the process. We want the end result, but nobody wants to go through the process. We run from the process because the process means death. The process means the cross is now coming right here. And it says, give me that. No, I'm not prepared to. Why? Because I'm still in fear. Give it to me. It's amazing. David, King David knew his nature. Did you know that? King David, who we preach about, sing about, wrote Psalms, a lot of Psalms. He knew this nature I'm talking about. Why do you think he was King David? Why do you think Paul was used? Why do you think Peter was used? They had a revealed posture of something and it catapults you into something. It's the whole purpose of the truth, isn't it? To set the church free. To have life of abundance, not trickle. Not a trickly life. Not a survival life. Not a life who's with my kids before. Oh, no, no, we've got to hold all this money. God, Greg, Dad, sorry. Dad, you've only given me $5 a week and you expect me to give a dollar back? What are you talking about? Lily, $2.50 and you expect me to give a dollar? That means I've only got a dollar fifty to live on, Dad. No. All my lollies and all my things and all my bits. Not that you can get that much for a dollar. You can in the UK. You can't here. Hey, Simon. I quit. <sighs> no, we've got to hold it back. No. Is that abundant life? Is that faith? Is that going without so others can have? Not at all. That's called living for self. That's living in the domain of darkness. That's operating from darkness. Protecting one's own self, what one's has. Waiting for the day he comes back to rescue me. 
I can't wait for him to come back. But you know what? The revelation of him coming back sets you free of this posture. The unrevelation of it keeps you here. The revelation of his coming back gets you over here. Giving, 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 giving. It says that man who had ten cities gets what the guy who had one gets. Is that fear? It's the kingdom. I don't care whether it's fear or not. It's the kingdom. The one who has more always gets more because he or she uses it. To what? Build the kingdom. Not one's own empire. And you get a revelation of what I'm talking about today. Guess what? Freedom will come. Life will come. Christ will mean so much more than just a guy on a cross. The resurrected Christ will be in you, coming out of you and through you. And people will go, you've changed what's going on. And you will give testimony and glory to who he is. Woo! And you're going to say, who wants that? I want more of it. Oh, he's awesome. King David, listen to this. Psalm 51 two. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Wash me thoroughly. We're going to look at this word iniquity. From my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Psalm 51, 5 and 6. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin. Oh, the Bible separates those two things out. That's interesting. My mother conceived me in this posture. Behold, you desire truth, revealed truth. The wisdom of God is revealed wisdom. Revealed truth, living truth. It's Christ. You desire this truth in the innermost being. Where's that? Where's the innermost being? Who we are, deep, deep in our spirit. We're spirit made in the image of God. And in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. He's saying, wash me from this nature. Wash me from this nature that causes me to sin. I was brought forth, birthed in iniquity. Are children evil? No, they're sweet, beautiful things. Have a kid and you'll figure out whether he or she's evil. Who taught your children to lie? Who went to the parenting school and taught your kids how to lie? What a good value that is. No, it just comes out, doesn't it? Do you ever think why it comes out? What's the environment that they've grown up in? Well, what if you're not grown up in an environment where you're taught not to lie and you don't model lying? What's that? What is it? It's their nature that's from the domain of darkness. Why, when they lie and you know it's them, do they try and justify their way out of it? And we do exactly the same. Lily playing with paint all over her face, all over her hands, no one else in the room, on the carpet. Who did it, Lou? Sorry. Not me, Dad. It was Maddie. Maddie, come here. Oh, Maddie, what have you been reading in my room, Dad? Look, beautiful white clothes on that. Lily, who did it? Not me, Dad. Can we relate? Can you put yourself in that picture? Wasn't me. It was, where do you think that comes from? It's what you're born with. It's why you need saving. You're not good. I'm not good. I'm evil. I will lie till the cows come home. And you hope that as you mature and grow your children, they grow up and mature. They mature into who they're called to become. If Madden at the age of 18 or Lily at the age of 18, 20 is still acting like a three-year-old, I don't think me and Danny did a good job. Yes? Well, if we're still the same people that we are when we get saved, that we are 20 years later, I don't think we're growing up. We've lived the same year 20 times. 
Because we haven't come in to reveal truth. And this man, he knew what revealed truth was. He puts it in the Bible. He writes it. God writes it through him so we can come into it. So what is iniquity? I've been taught about sin. But what's this iniquity? Lawlessness. What do you mean? Your nature that wants to do its own thing that causes you to sin. See, as the church, we've completely lost this whole reality of iniquity and we've preached sin, 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 sin. And yet, sin is just the outworking of lawlessness. I want to do my own thing because of what's in me and I'm going to do it. Oh, oh, I find myself now in a sinful act. Jesus comes and saves me from my sin. He saved you from your past, your present, your future sin. But half the church still beat themselves up about their sin. Never realize the nature that lives within them causes the sin. Why are you doing this, Greg? I died for it. Yeah, I know, but I still don't think you did. Well, I did. So why are you here? Because I still don't believe you did. Greg, why are you here again? Beating yourself up again, feeling guilty for this. Well, you know, Lord, because I know it's not right and I know I shouldn't be doing it and it offends you, but yeah, I know, but I die for it, repent of it and get on with life, get back on to get on the horse. No, no, I can't. Because until I feel something or until I get this or until I speak this, I just can't. But I died for it some. I died for it. I died for it. What are you saying about my life if I died for your sin and you're not accepting it? Are you abusing what I did? Do you understand what I did? Son, it's your nature that causes you to do that. It's the wickedness that's still in you that causes you to do that. So get a revealed understanding of this nature that lives within you. And I died for that. I remember saying to my mum, and the Holy Spirit convicted me big time. I was asking the question about why my older brother still won't change his life and lay his life down. I said, God, I said, mum, he's seen what happened to dad. I mean, my dad's had some pretty spiritual super, he's dead now, but before he died, he had healing and a whole lot of stuff. He's seen the whole, the Holy Spirit come, he's seen some pretty cool stuff. He's seen what my own life. I've seen, I've experienced stuff. He's seen me go from this person to what I'm doing now. We still laugh about it. He's witnessed that. He's seen my mom and he still won't necessarily bow. I said, why is that? Talking to the Holy Spirit. Why is that? How come you can see all this stuff externally and still not change? And the Holy Spirit said to me, Greg, you know when I came to you five times in signs and wonders and I manifested in front of you, did you change? Well, I'm talking about me. I'm talking about my brother. He said, Greg, did you change? No, Lord. Why, Lord? Why? I don't know, God. He said, I'll tell you why. He said, because you can see, you can see it all external happening. You can see me move. Oh, we need another sign. You're not getting another one. I've given you Jonah. And you're not getting any more because it's not about signs and wonders. It's about submission right now. It's about submitting your life to me. I could come up, I could do whatever, I could heal you of X, Y, and Z, I could raise your dad back from the, the, the dead, but you know what? You still wouldn't follow me. It's all external of you until it comes in you, until I'm revealed in you, not to you, in you. You're still the same. Paul needed the revelation in him to change. Those guys saw signs and wonders. They operated in d- casting out demons. They were in it. Why wouldn't they change? Because their heart was wicked and evil. Their nature, submit to me. And he said that day, he said, it all happened, but it was all external until I came into you and revealed nothing changed. And David is going I was born with this wicked, evil nature that wants to be God. Look at his life. 
adultery, commits murder, finds himself exposed by the prophet, humbles himself. God says, now there's a man after my own heart. Hold on, that man is the man that just killed a man and had sex with his wife and impregnated her with a future king. How can he be after your heart? Because the man repents. He gets a is, and he's found broken on his knees and then he says this, God, I've realized you don't want worship. You don't want all this offering stuff, burnt offerings. What you want is a contrite, broken spirit. You want someone who's gone through a process, who understands, and now look at his worship back to God. And he's there for us. Lawlessness is a nature that wants and demands to do its own thing rather than submitting itself to someone else's will, in our case, God's. You might say, but why is it so important I come into this true knowledge of this nature when I have already committed my life to follow Christ? I'll just get the musos to start wrap this up. And I'd say, great question. It's a question my mum asked me when I was talking about what I was saying. She's Greg, why do I need a revelation of this when I know I'm saved? I'm going to give you two reasons. Because at our core as his followers is this original nature, a nature that still lives in us today. Hence, it is so important we have a review of posture of this nature because this nature is in direct opposition to God and his ways. And it can express itself through us and we can be completely oblivious to this even happening. It's called the flesh operating. So once again, if we don't even know this thing, this nature, this old nature that Paul wrestled with, I have a desire to do these things. I can't do it because, and I find myself doing things I don't want to do. There's a law at play. There's something going on in me here. And I'm wrestling with it. And I have a desire to do this stuff, but you know what? I can't do it. He, he knew what it was. See, sometimes we manifest behavior and we just think it's our personality. That's my personality. No, that is no excuse. What's that? You're a person of the spirit, aren't you? Spirit and truth. Yes, we have a personality, but that can't determine how I'm going to live. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm this personality or that personality. So, you know what? I don't share the gospel because I'm just a, a, a shy person. What's that? That has to be overcome. And so we have to realize that this thing is operating. It's called the flesh. It's our old nature. And the Spirit, why God gives us the Spirit and His living Word to overcome, to come into. That's the first reason. The second reason, because the revealed knowledge of this posture creates incredible biblical humility in you and has you appreciating God's incomprehensible love for you in your innermost being, your hidden part, and this love will change you incredibly. See, I don't know if you, is there a place beyond the innermost place? So, if I have truth revealed in the innermost place, the hidden place, and it is truth, I will be set free. I will come into abundant life. It's not if, but, when, why, I will. That's the whole point. It will happen. So I have to be humble enough. And that's what David says. He says, after going through this process, he says, Lord, I've realized I don't know your ways. Go read Psalm 25. 
fact, can I quickly read it? I know I've, once again I've spoken for a while, but we've got to get this in the Spirit because it will change you. Listen to this. This is David's words. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. This is Psalm 25, 4. And teach me. Lead me in your truth. Whose truth? His truth. Not what I think. Not my version of it. Not what someone just said, told me. For you are this God of the salvation. For you I wait all the day. Come down to verse 8. God, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice. And he teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth. All the paths to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. And I love verse 11 because it says this, Pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Help me with my iniquity. Help me with my nature. Thank you for showing me that I am not good in that nature. Thank you for revealing to me how wicked I actually am because it highlights my absolute need and dependency on you and my need for you. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now you would reveal this truth. Lord, if it is concealed from us at the moment, you would reveal it to us. I know, God, that you've concealed things for us. Your word teaches us that, Lord, and that the disciples had things concealed from them for a period of time. So, Father, I know that Daniel says that in the end days, you will pour out more of your knowledge, living knowledge, so the church that you are building here on the earth will stand and reflect you and bring hope to this world, Father. And so, God, I pray that you would reveal, reveal the cornerstone to us, Reveal the cornerstone. Reveal your Son in which all this is contained. Show us, Lord God. We sung, open the eyes of our heart, for I want to see you. Well, if that's true, and you sung that song with any conviction, I pray that that would be the anthem. And you would. I pray you would go after that. That that just wouldn't be a song, but that would be your anthem. That would be something that, that defines you. Open the eyes of our hearts so we're able to see. Thank you, Lord.